Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we enjoy with a current heavy emphasis on Critical Role. I'm Will, <laughs> that's Blake, and here we're today we're here to talk about our baby, a uh, little Campaign 3, episode 27? Yep. Yeah, episode 27. It actually just came out on YouTube, so the title of this episode is um, A Race for the Prize, which... You kind of think that would be like next week's episode, maybe. I got a little bit of a bone to pick with the naming person (laughs) because there is no race to be found in this episode. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Um, Presumably next week, though. I I mean, unless, you know, they get locked down with some more analysis paralysis. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's, uh, It's Monday. So, you know, Monday's... Always, you know, I feel like probably most people's least favorite day of the week. So it is Fair. Monday. But other than that, you know, it's going pretty good. How about you? Good. Yeah, it's Monday. So you said it, you said about everything that needs to be said about it, I guess. <laughs> and I like the Mondays. Pointed, yeah, I like that you pointed out that this is basically a Critical Role podcast, but we're going to keep we're going to keep the door open to other things. That's right. Namely, I did finally see Thor this past weekend. Nice. And uh, we, yeah, we've pretty much always been like a, I'd say 70, 30 critical role Marvel podcast. And uh, we've pretty much swung like full 99%, (laughs) which I don't, I don't dislike. I love D and D. I mean, if we want to just embrace it, I'm fine, but uh, we should probably do a little, little Marvel conversation, I think. Yeah. I'd like that. Um, So yeah, for any of our D and D fans that are also MCU fans, be on the lookout for that. Uh, so um there's i mean i'm trying to think i guess the last time we spoke mcu stuff was what if i think we didn't do hawkeye did we uh, or did we i don't oh, think wow. so no we were going to but i think the holidays and you know we were both out of town at different points right dude hasn't it been like a year then or <laughs> almost because the first thing we ever did was was loki and that was a little over a year ago uh so it's probably if not been a year, okay, super yeah. close since what if, which yeah, that's, that's crazy. Long, yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We're due then to do a little Marvel conversation for sure. Um, so I guess we could say it's going to be like a Thor video and, and others. Yeah. So probably, I mean, for people that keep up with Marvel, they've probably seen everything else, but Thor will be our excuse, but we'll probably use it to just kind of talk about a lot of stuff. Have you seen this Marvel? Yeah. Is it good? It's 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 good. It's not great. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um. It, it's it's. I mean, I'm I'm not trying. It is good, but it's for yeah, like okay. you know with the way they're doing MCU stuff. Like a lot of stuff is catered towards like specific genres and stuff now. Um, sure. So this is definitely skewed a bit younger. Uh, but it is fun. Well, the reason I was asking was because I was thinking I was thinking to myself, okay, do I need to watch that before we do a video if we're gonna like all encompass some other content? But. I probably won't if it's not that exciting. So. Um, I mean, I think it's worth a watch eventually, but I wouldn't worry about knocking it out before yeah, okay. we watch Thor or anything. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Um, okay, cool. Other than that, quick plug again. Uh, we are doing a giveaway once we hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're getting pretty close. I think I haven't checked recently, but I think we're like 30-ish away from that mark, maybe a little more. Um, 
So, you know, if you're not subscribed, do us a favor, click that button, and you might come away with a little scratch. And by scratch, well, uh, <laughs> I mean Taldoi Reborn. Um, yeah, we don't mean any, like, illegal drugs or anything. We're talking... Uh... Unless no, no. yeah, uh, <laughs> probably tell the way we're born. We still haven't like fully. I I want to get. I want to. I want to find a cool dice set to give. Ooh. Yeah, to give that person as well. Okay, so now we got a whole package <laughs> form in here. So you know, it's don't miss out. Subs. We got it. We can't just do like you know the you know click to purchase what your shipping address. We got to right. send a little bit of like a personal. You know, it's probably gonna be the person who like subbed like that day. <laughs> He was like, who are these people? I didn't even mean to click on this. <laughs> you know, they unsub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right after. So, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, anyway. I like that. I think you mentioned that before. I forgot about that. But yeah, let's let's yeah. get some dice. And you know, who knows? We'll see. Um, so yeah. I just think it'd be cool. For sure. So yeah. do us a favor, sub if you're not. It really helps us small channels um like us out a whole bunch. Um, and we appreciate it. And we just want to give back. Thanks for uh yeah. we're not there yet, but thanks for helping us get to a thousand subs. Exciting. Yeah. So, well, let's jump in and talk about the episode today. Let's do it. Uh, Will, you want to start us out? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, again, quick plug for what we do here. Uh, we like to recap each and every episode, and we cut that recap out, out and host it separately just for, you know, ease of viewing for when you want a quick refresh, uh, you know, on Thursday or whatever before the new episode airs. So if you find yourself on just that recap video, uh, but you're interested in hearing Blake and I's thoughts, theories, discussion on the episode proper, just click down below. We'll link it um, either in the comments or in the description box, and there you can find the full podcast. Um, but without further ado, let's jump into the we uh the recap. <laughs> let's jump into this week's <laughs> recap of Critical Role Campaign Three, Episode Twenty Seven: A Race for the Prize. So we pick up with Bell's Hells plus Dusk at the undercarriage where they are staying for the night. They end up getting three rooms total, and you know decide to split up amongst them. But before we bed down for the night, um. We have some things happen. Um, there's a lot of discussing and planning um, how they should approach this Armand Trusty situation and the Paragon's call. Like, how do they want to get in there? Basically, how they want to handle that. And it essentially boils down to Ashton going in under the guise of looking for work via his relationship with Ratanish that they had kind of established at the ball a little while back. And if that goes, you know sideways basically death wish race we'll do something with that so the conversation then turns to fern's postcards and the group inspects them for any hidden clues and uh chetney leads this investigation and ends up getting a whisper from matt after rolling pretty high i don't remember the uh exact number but <clears throat> he reveals that he thinks it's strange like the things he notices from his investigation rather um he thinks it's kind of strange that these cards are in such like mint condition pristine right. like none of the corners are bent or anything and yet fern has presumably had them for decades so that that just seems kind of strange um, almost as if they have not changed hands very much um he also notices that they're all unique one-of-a-kind creations they all have um i'm not sure if it's if it's explicitly said that they're painted but they all have like artworks um handmade artworks yeah. on each one and they're all in the same handwriting as well so there's a lot of discussion on this you know <clears throat> are they really from her parents uh fern does reveal that her nan 
does a lot of painting and is a great painter. So it kind of is bubbling up that maybe these postcards were from her grandma. And there's just a lot of speculation on this. And Fern isn't really sure what to make of it. Um, But Orm does point out that, hey, we're meeting with your parents here in a couple days. We can probably find answers then. Um, So that kind of is laid to the side for now. People start splitting up to go to bed at this point, um, but Imogen asks Laudna if they can talk privately and they kind of leave everyone else. And before Imogen leaves first and Laudna's following her, but before she can, Dust kind of pulls her aside and essentially asks her on a date. Um, Laudna is super flustered by this and says, you know, I need time to think about it basically (laughs) while pulling out her hair and everything. Um, So then she leaves and goes and talks to Imogen. And they basically air out all their feelings and kind of hash out this little dispute they've been having ever since the Gnarl Rock incident. Um, They kind of each speak their minds, you know, and they basically reconcile. They like, you know, oh, you know, I've missed you so much, too. Yada, yada, yada. Um, But at the (laughs) end of this, they're like, "Uh, let's let's pretend we're still mad at each other, though, because, you know, FCG was trying to help help me through this. And I think, you know, it would really be great if we could let FCG be the one to resolve things for us, you know, to make FCG feel better. So the two part ways, but as they do, they're like making a big scene about like crying and being like so upset and FCG sees this and, you know, he like transfers suffering from Laudna and casts calm emotions on her. And then FCG apologizes to Imogen being like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been distracted. I'm I, I'm sorry. I haven't helped you through this. Like I'm such a failure. And he begins malfunctioning. Um, kind of stuttering like he does and also confusing words and ideas and people and Imogen is like oh my gosh FCG like you can't prioritize everyone else over yourself like I'm fine like we gotta we gotta take care of you you've been going through so much recently you know processing this dancer revelations the fact that he's this you know ancient Aormaton um and FCG's like yeah like I, I don't know what I am like why did dancer leave me why can't I remember anything if I really am from thousands of years ago? And Imogen just tries to comfort him and is like, you know, we're going to find this out. And SCG just continues to malfunction during this conversation. And, <clears throat> and one thing in particular is he's like, yeah, we need to reach out to Delilah when he meant presumably to say dancer. Right. Um, and so that just, you know, triggers a lot in, in Imogen and Ladna, who's kind of still there hearing this as well. And they're like, okay, we got, we got to get you some rest. Like we're going to, you know, we're going to figure this out. And, um, Ashton is also kind of around and he's like, Hey, FCG, let's go to bed. Um, and as they all split up, Imogen tells Fern who is on first watch, Hey, like keep an eye out on FCG. Um, but one final thing before bed is Orem goes over to dusk and is like, Hey, you're looking kind of frazzled. Are you okay? And basically challenges her to a little sparring match, kind of just, you know, for fun and to kind of get to know each other a bit. Um, and Dusk agrees. And so they have the toy swords that he bought at Taste of Tal'Dorei and they're going to fight to first to five hits. Um, so they kind of have this fun little battle. Um, Orem ultimately does win. Uh, he's the first one to get to five and actually ends on a slap on the ass for his final hit. Um, <laughs> and you know, he's kind of, they're kind of like having a conversation while this battle happens. But at the end, Orem's like, I don't recognize your fighting style. Like, you know, uh, I assume it's Faye since that's where you're from. And Dusty's like, yeah, I really, I mean, I don't really remember. Um, I don't really remember anything. I just have a few memories of the before, like being a kid training with other kids or being on a beach. Um, but really, you know, I'm not sure. Um, 
Then Dusk, you know, who has just basically asked Laudna on a date, hits on Orum and is like, you know, you want any company tonight, basically? And Orum gets super embarrassed and flustered and, you know, reveals that, you know, I'm, a, I'm actually into guys and kind of awkwardly takes his leave. Um, <laughs> so now with everyone gone their separate ways to go to bed, we have uh, Chetney and Fern who are on first watch tonight. And they talk a little bit. Fern does check on FCG because of what Imogen said. Um but nothing really is revealed there or anything. Ultimately, the conversation between Chet and Fern moves to the postcards once more. And, um, you know, they don't really cover any new ground, but Fern does say, well, I haven't told anyone else this part yet. And she actually takes this gem out of her satchel. Uh, it's this green gem. And it's like, my grandmother gave me this. I'm actually on a secret mission too. Like I'm supposed to find my parents and give them this gen gem. Um, so Chetney looks at it and uh, it's like playing with the light and shadows kind of in a strange way. And you can tell you can tell it has some sort of enchantment on it. Um, he's like, oh, fascinating. Uh, he gives her the gem back and then he also gives her the gift he's been carving for her, which is this beautifully carved wolf. And Fern loves it. She's like, this is my, the favorite thing I own. Um, and they all he kind of hits on her and is like, it kind of seems like a not the best time, but just so you know, I'm here if you're ever, you know, interested. <laughs> and uh, basically then the watch ends, all the rest of the watches go off without any hitches. And that's where the episode goes to break. Yeah. So um, great job, by the way. So like as the party gets up, um, they have a couple of errands they want to run and then they want to make their way over to the seat of disdain to sort of carry out their plan of, um, cause they've been thinking about like, how are we going to get into the Paragon's call? Um, uh, citadel and they really feel like ashton's connection to ratanish from the ball is the way to go before they do that uh fcg does go back to esmer and picks up a breaching charge uh which orem ends up carrying uh and also they ask uh esmer for a description i think it's imogen who asks uh, a description of dancer mm. and dancer is described basically of having black hair olive skin and a star tattoo on her cheek um the party makes their way over to the seat of disdain and ashton calls up to the guard and says um hey send out uh tanvir the rake um <laughs> you know we got business we've been invited we got some business to talk about um tanvir does come out with his troop of um soldiers i guess or paragon's call uh, but also general watanish comes out as well and uh, has a fairly amicable interaction with ashton kind of like hey yeah i remember you and ashton's basically like yeah hey we're here for work like we want to we want to work for you guys i'm following up basically on our conversation and ratanish basically says well around here uh if you're going to prove yourself you want to prove yourself worthy of joining the paragon's call doing work for us you either have to fight or you have to race uh which we know we've been heading towards this race for a couple episodes now. And so the party chooses, okay, we want to race. And Ratanish actually flips them a coin that's basically like a coupon for, <laughs> you know, one free scrapper, uh, a loner vehicle from Imahara Joe um, to do the race. Uh, before they separate, though, another person comes out um, who is the leader of the Paragon's Call. And the reason this person's coming out is basically Ratanish is like, yeah, it's not my choice if you're going to be able to join or not. It's really her choice. And like, well, who's this her? 
And this woman comes out who goes by the name of Adohan Thule. And Ashton is immediately like starstruck by her and rolls a natural 20 on a history check for her. The long and the short of it is that she was a famed warrior during the Apex War a couple of decades earlier and disappeared towards the end of it before reemerging as a person of the Paragon's Call who really rose, rose in the ranks and became its leader. What's really interesting about this character is two things. One, she seems to be wearing um, this, these form-fitting leathers and this cloak that's hiding a device on her back with a crystal in it. Uh, we know that because Fern decides, uh, in true Fern form, once everything's resolved, Fern decides to basically transform into a rat and scurry up uh, Otohan's back to see what's under the cloak. And uh, not really clear what it is. It has a very much like a jetpack-esque vibe to it. Uh, yeah. But we don't really know what it is. Uh, I will say that as Fern is scurrying away, General Tanish does clock her. And Dusk basically scoops her up and pretends like it's her pet uh, who got away from her. Um, the other interesting detail is Adohan looks very reminiscent to the woman that Imogen saw in her dream from the episode prior. And immediately they're looking at the sketch that they put together after Imogen's dream. But Ladna rolls so poorly that Matt's like, yeah, you really have no idea. You have no clue, really. So all this to say, the party decides, okay, we're going to race. Let's do this thing. Um, they decide to head to Imahara Joe's to basically trade in this free loaner um, coin. Uh, before they do that, though, uh, Ladna and um, Ashton head over to the Old Mines Burn to basically just make sure that Justy is going to make good on their offer to basically watch the group's back. Um, Ladna is immediately a bit um, restless with the environment. You know, everyone kind of turning and looking in unison at her. And Justy actually offers to clean out the attic uh, to sort of figure out what's going on in her head, uh, which Ladna doesn't say no to, but she's like, yeah, maybe I might be open to something like that. Um, Justy also hands Ashton this yellow cloth and basically says, hey, tear this up and put it on your two vehicles so that we know not to target you during the race. Um, so it seems like Justy's making good on uh, the fact that they're going to tilt the race in their favor. Party all heads over to Joe's place and um, basically he's pretty much wrapping up his, um, you remember they had, they had paid for their own car basically. He's pretty much wrapping that one up and they present the coin to which he's like, oh yeah, I mean, awesome. I can give you, I can give you two of them. Uh, and they haggle with him to try to get like all sorts of like adjustments with it. Like, can we get red? Can we get our logo on it? And Matt, uh, I don't know if it was more Matt or Joe, but both of them are just like, uh, like we're not going to do that. Like we, <laughs> we just built the stuff here. We're just engineers, you know? Uh, but basically sends them on their way and they make their way over to, um, I can't remember if it was like the bone tree as the starting point or if it was just like a key location, but basically they make their way over to the starting spot of the race. And that is where the episode ends as competitors roll up and it seems like we are on the cusp of the death race. So that's what happened in episode 27 of this campaign. Yeah, good job. And again, for anybody that's just watching the recap, if you want to clue into the rest of our discussion, you can find the link below. Um, 
but without further ado uh <laughs> you, you know the drill uh <laughs> what'd you think what'd you think so disclaimer say it every time i'm always i'm always gonna like critical role wasn't a fan of this episode Ooh. i was i was pretty bored um I mean, I'm going to watch these guys play D&D every week, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to love it. Um, there's, there's a couple of reasons why, and I'll try not to be long-winded so I'm not like going on a long rant. Um, two things. One, there's three things, actually. <laughs> One, the stakes created in Calamity has just made an episode like this one where it's very much, it was this episode, and then I guess maybe two episodes ago. Um the slow drip has really made me miss the intense stakes of calamity uh, and the sense of like, dude, what is going to happen next week? And part of this is like just long form storytelling. Like, obviously it'd be a bit, you know, if every episode is insane, like then really none of them are, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's, it's not like a sustainable like, thing. Exactly. You kind of have to jump the shark to keep it going. But I, I am finding myself a little impatient and hungry for like the next big development. Um, so there's that, um, two, it just didn't feel like much really happened in the four hour episode. Like I was kind of like, dude, how long are we going to plan this thing? Like, let's, you know, and, and also the plan doesn't really make that much sense. Um, <laughs> and then three, and I don't know if other people feel this way or not. I haven't really seen any comments about it. This is just total personal opinion. This sort of like industrial steampunk esque vibe doesn't it's i'm having a tough time like placing it in the world of exandria that prior to this campaign has always been high fantasy for me and so and i think and i think kind of the disconnect is something like you know we watch something like avalier which is like the the peak of technology and yet there's this odd like implied advancement past that in that there are there's cars like yeah we have a car it's like a it's a you know a junk rat race or some kind um and we you know having said that i'm not i'm not against that i don't dislike the vibe of it it's just like a weird dissonance with like what my experience has been with exandria and then this world like the specific region um it, it doesn't mesh well with me it's like from I guess like two episodes or three episodes ago where they're like, yeah, we need a car. I was like, wait, there's cars in Exandria? Like, why aren't they everywhere? You know, like, why hasn't it been like proliferated everywhere? Like, surely this is way better than any other technology you can. I mean, I don't know. But so those are my that's my three reasons why I, <laughs> I feel like I'm finishing a paper now. <laughs> you know, I restate what I said, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, I like tilting between dislike and liked it. I liked it. I always will. Um, probably my least favorite episode though. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are fair criticisms. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming you were just using the word car cause that's what they use, but it's obviously not like a, yeah, a literal it's, car. It's just yeah, like a little gonna, crawly yeah, we're not boy. Gonna, but, but on the same token though, it's, I don't think it's going to be like a, cause it's a race, you know, yeah, like, a so little, like, like a little spider. It's gonna be, yeah. It's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be a little wild, wild west esque, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And not like fully Mad Maxian. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you there for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, all fair points. Uh, I do understand the kind of the disconnect in the high fantasy versus this kind of steampunk vibe. Um, I will say that, you know, from campaign one to where we are now, the technology has been on a 
a steady uh in what's the word i'm looking for uh, incline i guess uh <laughs> upward yeah increase i guess uh <laughs> it's going up so like i especially you know it, everything i say here is not to like discredit your your feelings because i get that but from my perspective <laughs> i i kind of like the kind of slow burn increase we've had in technology like since campaign one sure. where it was like pure high fantasy uh the only tech was percy who had a gun but like he's the one that invented them so like you know it that kind of it, it flowed um so it's kind of been cool to kind of see the 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 ripple effects of like percy's gun now they're everywhere in the world um and i don't i don't think these two are are tied but you know the aomaton from campaign two now kind of to leading to a bit more prolifer proliferation of tech across Alexandria, but clearly Basaros was this kind of steampunky place i think before even the aormaton snowball um but anyway i digress uh i my thoughts on the episode of course liked it like we always are going to i do agree that it was one of the slower if not slowest episodes so far of the campaign um <clears throat> But uh, these episodes happen. I mean, you kind of spoke to it, how, you know, Calamity, four episodes are just jam-packed, high stakes the whole time, you know, full octane. Um, across 120 episodes, you're going to have these slower episodes. And um, so, like, uh, you know, I, it's par for the course. Uh, so in these types of episodes, I can really cling to, like, the cool character moments. And what I'll say is, specifically sam this episode with that like breakdown he had that was like one of my favorite moments like character moments of the whole campaign so far um i just am so blown away by like the choices sam makes and i i mean we can talk about this right now but i know i'm just kind of like in my review right now so i don't want to like wax too poetically on this yet um but just how he turned like a joke into one of the most like hard hitting moments, you know, like, Oh, like let's pretend to still be mad at each other so we can like give FCG a, a thumbs up. And he like just completely flipped that on them. I was like, man, that's just so good. Like teach me, Sam. Um, yeah. but so all that to say is definitely a slow episode. I, I can definitely get with people on why they're like, yeah, you know, not my cup of tea, but for me personally, I can kind of like cling to those moments and still, uh you know have had a good time no yeah and i yeah and i like i said i'm between disliking and liking i tilt towards liking yeah, obviously yeah. but um but yeah i mean yeah i feel like we're so, somewhat on the same page so yeah definitely um, a slow episode and definitely like across since we've come back post exu calamity there's been a whole bunch of analysis paralysis so i feel like it's kind of been hard to to get going again really and which it's a stark contrast from like you mentioned the stakes there to being back at a you know it's it's a bit, narrative yeah it's a bit weird and i don't think it's like any kind of critique to anyone in general because um you know uh, tables often like can devolve into this where it's like it's just hard to like move the story forward because there are so many like moving parts um, I think any of us who've actually played at a table, like we recognize like, yeah, it's been like a month since we've actually had anything happen. Yeah. But, um, having said that, yeah, I, I think Bossaros in general has drug a little bit and 
I don't think it's anyone's fault. I just think it's like a little bit of a weird awkwardness of from the moment Ashton mentioned at their first arrival to boss Ross, Hey, is death race still a thing? And even so much after that, it was like, we were always heading towards death, the death, the death race. And I think for Matt, you know, not wanting to, um, railroad into like, we are going to do the race, but to like still create the path where they could reach there. I think that that freedom combined with the party's inability to make like quick decisions is why it's, it's really like drug on as much as it has. I mean, I think even Erica, um, as dusk was like, Hey, we could just do it and just, you know, <laughs> make the most of it if you want. Yeah. It seems like it worked out before, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I don't think anyone's like to blame, so to speak, but yeah. I think, I think there's just been a combination of things that have just kind of made this whole arc. Um, it's, it's, for me, it has felt like it's kind of fizzled in terms of like the intensity of let's get after Treshy, let's get our guy, um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, not the least of which was a six-week break, like right dab at the start of it. Um, right. Again, a six-week break with an incredibly intense story. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's yeah, it's 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 I think I think in hindsight we'll look at this arc a little bit more positively because it'll be kind of like a resetting point. Like I think we talked about this around like episode 23 or 24 whenever they went down into the mines um, and uh, fought the brood mother. And I was like, okay, now I feel good leaving Drasar. Mm -hmm. Like now I feel like we have, we've tied up some loose ends. Um, and in, in a way it was like a resetting point. Like, you know, we've hit sort of the climax of this story point with the falling action and then, you know, and then now we start off the next story point. So I think in hindsight, we'll look at it more positively. It just feels a bit, um, it just feels slow being in it, I guess. Yeah, and sorry, I'm sorry, we just keep waxing poetically on this, but it has been slow. It absolutely has been. But on the same turn, like we have had a bunch of bombs, like Fern's parents, yeah. Dancer being alive, confirmation that FCG is an, an, uh, an Aormaton. Um, there's something else that I'm forgetting, but like there's been. There's been a lot of very interesting, yeah. There's been a lot of very interesting things happening. I think it's just kind of. So I'm not trying to discredit any of that. It's just I don't know. I guess it's just I think they some of it is also rust from coming off, the long break. You know, I don't yeah. know. Now I I don't know. I don't, I'm not trying to sound like too defensive because neither of us are complaining. Yeah. But you know what I mean. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you get you guys have to let us know in the comments what you think. Like, how's your take been? What's been your reaction? Because um, I think we'll. I think in general we're we are still enjoying campaign three and looking forward to every Thursday night. Um, oh yeah, of course. But yeah, but yeah, I would love to know what you guys think for sure. Um, maybe we could just jump in. You, you even mentioned FCG a second ago. Maybe we could stop by there. Um, totally agree. Sam Regal is a freaking genius. Uh, Britton Lee Mulligan gave him a huge compliment in the uh, calamity wrap up of telling like giving like the perfect joke. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, that whole I love how Sam has found creative ways to take like a simple um, I mean, this is like this is just beautiful creativity. You take a concept and rather than just like popping up again and again, because he could have just kept having like the the mental malfunctions where he like 
you know, stammers or can't finish the sentence. And it's, you know, by the fifth or sixth time, we're like, oh yeah, there's that again. Yeah. I just love how Sam, this is just so beautifully creative, was able to see the opportunity to ratchet it up and make it even more interesting, you know, take like the same concept, but spin it a different way. Um, Cause the first moment he said, Delilah, I think, I don't know if I texted you or something, but I was like, wait, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then he mentioned like Orem's tattoo and like all these things. And I was like, okay. Um, but very interesting for sure. And yeah. perhaps the same. Yeah, for sure. He always like there. I mean, I was about to call him like the master of that, which I, I think he is, but obviously everyone in the group has amazing RP moments, but Sam just in particular is able to like kind of get in that like little tiny hole and bust it open, like in a way you maybe wouldn't expect. Um, and so, yeah, I just, that was definitely my favorite moment of the whole episode. Um, he, I, he, just, he can't keep getting away with it, but no. He, <laughs> what do you think's going on with them? I mean, is it, mishmash of pre calamity bots that are like, I mean, like what do you think is happening with him? I think it's definitely, you know, he's an Aormaton from long, long time ago and probably had a whole life and, you know, whatever we want to call it, I'm just going to call it a whole life. His original Aormaton programming, let's say, um, and now, like, we don't know what's happened in this ginormous interim between there and where Dancer booted him back online or whatever. Um, presumably Dancer made some of her own tinkering, right? And I don't remember who said it. It might have been Joe or it might have been Esmer or it might have been somebody else. But somebody recently said when asked, like, they asked someone about what do you think's wrong with FCG? Um, somebody said, I think it might be, like, competing... Like there's two things like there's right. two there's too much stuff in him and he doesn't know like which operating system to be right. this, this is all my words here, but which operating system to listen to essentially. So to me, I think that's to put it simply is what's going on with him. There's like the real FCG and like not the not that the current one is fake, but you know what I mean. Like it's there's two wolves inside every robot <laughs> and which one you feed. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But to me it's that there's conflicting programming he has this full life of memories that he can't fully access yeah. and i think that's what's causing the that was very uh time is a weird soup yeah, <laughs> thanks. thanks there's two wolves within every robot <laughs> um but yeah. yeah i mean for my money that's what it is it is interesting that we also know of this secret system that he and matt are that sam and matt are playing with where we don't 100% have this confirmed, but it seems like natural ones are something he denotes, but also natural 20s not and not his own. Like his friend's natural 20s, he is also keeping track of. And this is probably nothing, but Sam verbatim said at one point, like, you know, I had this whole life, you know, uh, in, uh, of successes and failures. And I just thought that was a probably nothing but knowing sam that might have been some sort of like glib kind of yeah. like yeah. you know hey like look what On i'm planting here yeah. yeah and so i just think it's interesting that he has been tracking successes and failures literally um so I, I don't really have the 
the answer. The no. thing that puts this all together that makes a nice little picture, but you know, clearly something is is brewing in the background there, and I'm still interested to, to see if it just blows up at some point because of natural ones or because of whatever, or if it'll only get some sort of answer when he's like fixed, for lack of a better word. Dancer seems like the one to be able to do it, and it seems like Dancer may not be far. So yeah. they may be running into Dancer before they head back to um, Dressar, which they have, I guess they have a month before they have to be back. So Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Did Dancer on that caravan, was FCG operational? Or was FCG just a hunk of metal that Dancer then rehabilitated? Um, what I'm getting at is did Dancer block those memories and stuff on purpose i think so i think yeah to you know seeing the opportunity of having an aormaton and knowing also that um the breadcrumb of lore that matt gave of how aormatons had become sentient and had basically become their own citizens like in a very detroit become human kind of way mm-hmm. um there's all the reason for dancer to block that to effectively keep fcg subservient to her yeah you know and like yeah i built you you're my creation you belong to me uh, these are direct contrast to what we know is true about amortons um and we also have gotten some details that maybe dancer isn't as like benevolent creator-esque as maybe fcg has described her um so i mean i can see her doing that to you know, protect her investment, so to speak. I, I could absolutely see that too. I don't, I'm on the fence though, about where I, where I stand because yeah, we definitely have had, I don't know if it was the comments from, I guess it was the comments from both Joe and Esmer, but that kind of, you know, she wasn't necessarily the nicest tool in the right. shed, but then I think it was Imogen. I think it was Esmer, whoever she asked about what does dancer look like? She also asked, are they a good person? Right. And, you know, Esmer said like, you know, everybody's kind of got their shit, but like compared to this place, yeah, she's a great person. So <laughs> that kind of, I was like heavily in the column of she's right. manipulative and you know, whatever that made me kind of shot me back over a bit. And maybe it's just like, Oh you know, She's just a person, you know, we all have our, right. it's gray, not black and white. So because of that, I'm kind of on the fence on if she intentionally, like blocked FCG's memories or if perhaps she just got him like defunctional and she fixed him, but like mm-hmm. her fixing of him got him to his current state and not unlocked the true memories or whatever. Right. So right. I, I don't, I don't know where I land, but I want to know. So hopefully we see dancer soon. Yeah. It may not be too far off and it, it does feel like a lot has hap- could happen in the next few episodes. Treshy, Fern's parents, Dusk and the Sorrow Lord, uh, Dancer. I mean, there's a lot of uh, interesting threads there that seem like, you know, they're spinning off the wheel very quickly. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, um, Odahan and right. the connection to Ruidus and stuff. What that really we so we were Blake and I were texting during the episode at that part, and I think I don't know if I like maybe it was talking to my girlfriend or something happened, but I missed, like I saw the table like react when Matt described Odahan 
And I was like, wait, like, who is this? What did I miss? And, you know, seemingly it's because the description matched the, the woman in the dream. Um, Cause it was the, it was the gray hair, like pulled off to the side um, with the dark leathers, which was right. like almost, almost verbatim the woman in Imogen's dream. Yeah. So, I mean, not to shift us there if, if we were still on FCG, but I don't even, I don't even know what to make of that. Like, uh, unless like she is also ruidous born and you know, something we've talked about earlier is maybe like these people are being puppeted or maybe they're doing it of their own free will, but she seems to be the, at least in Imogen's dream, the like leader. So uh, what's she doing with the Paragon's call? What's, what's the connection here? Maybe there's not one explicitly, but I just, I did not expect that. Like that was the last thing I expected was for the, this person to be the one from Imogen's dream. Yeah, I mean, and it's still may not be, but definitely, um, I mean, it could be a, you know, a red herring from Matt to just, you know, pull us off that scent. But um, yeah, and also the detail of disappearing at the end of the Apex War and reappearing later, um, you know, it's like, where did she go? What happened to her? Um, Yeah, definitely a whole nother plot thread now that's like, or it is, and frankly, it feels like another slow drip. I mean, it doesn't feel like we're going to get any progress there anytime soon. Um, but yeah, definitely wondering what's happening there. And uh, I called it very jetpack-esque. It seems like we're getting like a jetpack vibe on her back. I don't know what your take was, but... Yeah, I don't... The first thing I thought was she similarly was wearing a bomb, like Orem was. Yeah. That was like my first instinct. But since no one ever, like... I feel like if that was the case that would have like Matt would have described, Oh yeah, you, you, this is what Orem's wearing. So I'm guessing it's not that, but so yeah, jetpack would be awesome. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely some sort of cool steampunk magic infused, you know, probably homebrew situation that Matt came up with. Um, so, I mean, anyone's guess is as good as mine, but I really like the jetpack idea. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Which, you know, Chekhov's gun. We we're gonna see it, right? Oh yeah, we got. I to. mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got to pop up, I guess, in this next episode. Um, shout out to Fern though. Uh, that line when you know Adham was leaving, she was like, "Before she goes," and literally the entire like, party. What? <laughs> yeah, everyone at the table was like, "Fern, give me a freaking break! What are, are you kidding me?" Yeah, and just <laughs> you know, I just it's like, where do you think this is gonna go, right? And um, she just, got away with it. She did. She did. Then, so, yeah. There were some crazy natural 20s from um, Talos in there. Yeah. Uh, he had two, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. One was on persuasion. the history check or whatever. And then, yeah, right. the history or the persuasion check. That's right. Right. Um, talk about firing when it matters. Uh, yeah. But, okay. So, Odohan is like this, this like local legend, you know, big hero is not the right word but like war again hero for lack of warrior yeah warrior um it disappeared and now has reappeared i mean i think the easy line to draw would be whatever's going on with rudis is probably what was going on during that disappearance right now and I'm, i'm kind of pulling things together with no actual proof here but if these rudis people are being like puppeted or harnessed or controlled for their 
abilities because it seems like something is like after Imogen, you know, like the the people in the dream like want her. So the easy conclusion for me to draw is because they are rudest born. We know she's a spellcaster, has magical abilities. Like there's some like something special about her and these other people that are experiencing this. So maybe they are being harnessed in order to achieve something, some sort of ritual, like who knows what it is. If that's all true, which I know that's a lot to just pile in the cart, then maybe Odahan is also one of these people. And during that disappearance, like she was, they got her. Like whoever's behind the rudest thing got her. And maybe she's still just like herself. And maybe you can just choose to be a part of this if you want. And like, she still has full agency. Um, But maybe that disappearance as that happened. She's now full on rudest soldier and, you know, has now risen to the top of this powerful mercenary right group and is probably using that position of power i would assume to orchestrate more in favor of getting whatever the hell is going on with ruidus like off the ground like using that station to further the ruidus goals um so then is the ruidus goals to put the paragon's call into drissar because like that was like their main that was like their main mission, right? That's Prior true. To yeah. Being outed, it's like yeah. wide star. And oh man, yeah. And the broomstone all beneath it. Like, is there some ritual where like Drusar's flowing up to Rudis or something? I don't know. Probably not. But yeah, I mean, I think these things could all be connected to some. We know there's some grand scheme at play, and I feel like it goes beyond just Treshy trying to rise the ranks, right? I feel like there's something right. even pulling his strings, for lack of a better word. So maybe yeah. it is, maybe it is Oton, maybe it is Rudis. We um, we did talk about this about probably ten episodes ago of like, is Treshy the main guy, or is he like you know a cog in the machine? You know, is he just probably in his mind sees himself as the main guy, but as someone else. And we talked a little bit about, you know, is he working the nightmare King or is the nightmare King working him? Right. It does. It, I agree with you. It does feel definitely third party esque. Like someone else is working him, working the whole, whether that's Adahan or someone else, Yeah. someone from Ruidus. Um, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it feels like the only way we get any more progress with this Adahan character is just like a full blown conversation. Like, her getting involved somehow in a conversation and finding out a little bit of history there. Um, what's her motivation? What's she doing? Um, especially the link with Imogen. Like I'm really intrigued yeah, by that for sure. Me too. I wonder like what, what would have happened if Imogen was one of the ones there? Like would out Han have recognized her, you know? Cause she wasn't there. Hmm. Which is kind of unfortunate because, you know, Lana didn't roll high enough to recognize. So I'm sure, I'm sure they'll, not metagame, but I'm sure that will come up sooner than later that like they'll somehow make the connection, even though Imogen wasn't there and Lana didn't recognize that that is the, at least a really similar looking person. And I wonder what they'll do with that information because I mean, we're about to have the race and then one way or the other. They're at least going to try to get Treshy, right? Um, so it's hard to imagine with them getting Treshy that things are going to be at all amicable between the Paragon's Call 
and Bell's Hells. So like I don't mm. know how that conversation is basically ever going to happen at this point. Like you know what I'm saying? Like between like Imogen potentially talking to Odohan about any of this because they're probably going to be adversarial from this mm. point on, right? I don't know, man. We'll just have to. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if next episode will be the death race entirely, or if it will. The race will happen, and there'll be like some time for other things afterwards. Yeah, uh, I bet so. I bet the race will only be at at most like a half of the episode. Yeah, maybe like up to break or something. Yeah. Um, and then so then the next half then would be. I mean, presumably if everything all goes well them infiltrating the because there was a couple of conversations on this can get us like the credibility we need to infiltrate the paragons called the seat of disdain but then there was also a comment maybe from ashton on while we're creating a distraction of the race people could infiltrate yeah but i think they i think they threw that out and went full-blown like credibility angle i'm pretty sure um but it, it's this feels very clunky though because like as soon as Treshy runs into them, surely he's going to remember the ball. These people. Yeah, yeah. the ball. Right. So it's kind of like, what's our plan here? What are we doing? Yeah, true. And like, so let's say they win the race. They kind of get their foot in the door, uh, grab Treshy and run. Or I wonder, I wonder if they're, if they're even is on the table, like getting in so good with the Paragon's call that they would just give up Treshy. Like I wonder if that's There's even no possible. These people are total strangers. I I just don't. Yeah. I don't see it. But maybe, maybe, maybe the Paragon's call is like secretly indignant to Treshy, sort of like you know, despite him being the one to kind of like bring them into Drasar, him also because of his shenanigans being the reason that you know that's totally tabled for now. So there could be like some secret indignation that yeah maybe something like, something like that happens, but. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's pretty expendable to them, honestly. Especially now that he's on the run. Like, you know, I don't know what how much he can really do for them at this point. So I feel like it may be... I don't think they're just going to give him over or anything. But I don't... To me, I don't see them caring too much about him from this point onward. But that could be the complete opposite of the truth. Especially if there is this greater orchestrated scheme going on that he's integral. Well, and in. maybe... Maybe you're right, and maybe he sold the ring because he needed some money to pay the Paragon's call and was kind of like, hey, when I get back on top, there'll be plenty more where that came from. Yeah, I don't know. So maybe they are kind of like, you know, it's the roommate that like won't move out yet. <laughs> you're just like, ugh, man, you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. And, yeah, I'm just super intrigued by the – is it Odahan? I don't want to keep Odohan? saying the wrong thing. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just I think super Odahan. Super intrigued. Uh, I don't know. I don't that know. sounds <laughs> like the guy from Metal Gear Solid kind of. What's that guy's name? Ot- Otagon? Otagon? Yeah. Is that him? Yeah. Is that one of them? Otagon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Octagon. <laughs> it's it's Otagon, yeah. Otagon, okay. Octagon. Is he the oh, one? Man, Which know. one was he? He's the Do scientist. Who's like, do you think love can bloom on the battlefield? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Fall Snake's like, uh, I'm going to go kill this person. So, Fun fact, anyway. uh, I uh, well, I don't know if it's fair to say we played it together, but Blake and I have been friends for a very long time. Uh, I remember like having a sleepover at your house and playing through that game. And the, uh, 
Really? Yeah. That's cool. The part that really sticks out, and this kind of just sticks out. It. <laughs> but you don't. <laughs> oh, cool. Remember seeing Titan AE, so it's okay. <laughs> this this is a total tangent, but I still stuck with me to this day how cool I thought this was that the game did it. But the whole psychomantis thing, reading right. your uh, memory card. Yeah, that was just so ahead of its time. I feel like. <laughs> But back then, I just have this random joke in my head because he he reads your save file, then also mentions like the other games you've played. Yeah, yeah. And I just have this running joke in my head of like you've played something like totally like <laughs> eighteen plus, and he's like uh, oh, bikini babes, and you're like uh, I don't. It's like the Austin Powers. <laughs> like I swear, I it's didn't not play mine. that. <laughs> my brother plays this. <laughs> we share it. <laughs> Good so, times. <laughs> it says Blake's save file. <laughs> Oh but man. Anyway. Yes. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, uh Odahan. Um, yeah. Odahan. Uh just yeah, again, like I said, that really caught me out of that field. Like I did not I just didn't expect that. And we kind of touched on this, I think, in maybe our last podcast, but it's kind of crazy like how many reveals we've been getting recently is for across different characters too. So like different story threads um you know we got fcg stuff we got imogen stuff um laudna stuff uh it's just i I don't know i am so interested to see which string gets pulled next and if which if any are connected at some point it it does feel like everyone's like in a crock pot together and they're all like you know we're sort of simmering each person's story like slow burning it and i i would be okay with someone's story becoming to the forefront and getting resolved and it'd be like the, a massive like story arc um which you know doesn't then like put that person on the sidelines you know there's like maybe some post development after the fact um but i think that kind of speaks more to like my uh impatience of it's really fun getting those little lore drops for each character but i'm also like okay like what like where does that go um and again i think in hindsight it's all going to get viewed very positively um because i'm assuming in campaign one there were probably plenty of moments like these where you're like you know oh what is that going to lead to yeah um but anyway i don't know what what episode was like the briarwood fight or in the uh ziggurat but um yeah you know i know i know i watched up to like episode 15 or 20 and it hadn't happened yet so yeah so that's basically how it works is you know we'll follow one character's like narrative thread for a while and then that'll get resolved and move on to somebody else and it's not like that character is just frozen in time and doesn't develop anymore but their like main story that they're going to get has been concluded and then obviously you know like the big bad probably kind of ties to not necessarily ties to their intricate backstories but you know what i mean like just because their main like backstory thread finishes doesn't mean that like we might as well just ignore this character now um but yeah what's just interesting is that like i don't know who's we're following next because it feels like we right. could go a number of ways but it seems like probably fern fern or fcg i think ashton we're gonna get like a breadcrumb like maybe on their way out of town they pop into the orphanage for a second yeah but yeah it does feel like i'd say fern then fcg and then maybe imogen i think imogen's we and i have seemed like we're on the same page here is maybe imogen's like the overarching story yeah um but yeah fern we got the detail we seem seemingly got confirmation that the detail from the first season of exu that the cards were fake or written from her nana um seemingly confirmed which was cool but secondly we got the detail of the green crystal 
which was interesting because you and I have been talking about what's her mission. Cause she's been saying like, she can't go home till this goes back to EXU season one. I can't go home until like my job's done. And we've been like, well, what's your job? Like, what are you supposed to be doing? Yeah. And she seemingly said, I think she said like, I'm supposed to like, this is to help save the world. I'm supposed to give this to my parents when I find them. Um, what was your, we haven't, we haven't heard this gym mentioned before, right? Uh, yeah. Uh What was your take on that whole thing? Well, first I thought it was awesome because it was nice to kind of, to have an answer to that thing we've been wondering since EXU. And not that I didn't think there would ever be one, but part of you wonders if, oh, that was just something Ashley said off the cuff in the moment of like, oh yeah, I'm on a mission, you know, but it's cool to know that like, even back then she was like she's had this this stone that she's been trying to find her parents and give it to them as as to what it is i don't know because it makes it because we know or i guess we still don't know but signs are pointing to the fact that her grandma was lying and about her parents and writing the letters and stuff but at least we do know that her parents were are doing something so like maybe like maybe maybe her grandmother was telling the truth but the postcards were a lie. You know, it's kind of hard. Like, we don't know what how to parse everything yet. But I don't know. I don't know. A part of me wonders if we know the Unseelie Court and Dusk are after the Callaways and um, are interested in this Moontide crown. Oh, right. Part of me is wondering if the gym is connected to that at all. Like, it's a gym and not a crown, but maybe like maybe what powered the crown was this gym and now the gym right. is like, maybe that's the real valuable part of it. Um, right. So my mind went there. Does it, is it that, or does it have something to do with that? Uh, we know our parents are clearly using power sources for something. Right. They are, they do have some mission, whether it's the noble mission, the grandmother spoke of or not, we don't know. Um, we know the nightmare King is using power sources for similar things. Presumably we got Ruidus up to something, so if and this is a lot of what ifs again, but if there is like this big bad overarching ruidous plot, maybe the Callaways and Morgan are one of the first line defense of defense against it, and maybe whatever they're doing is like the other side prepping for whatever ruidous has got coming. So maybe that's kind of a long shot, but maybe it's all tied into that. But as to what the gym actually is or anything, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. But but what did you think? No, yeah, I, I loved everything you just said. I mean, I'm just kind of tracking it and analyzing it too. I can totally see some of these things playing out. Um, the detail we did mention last episode was I did I, I rewatched the episode with joy or just certain parts of it uh, with my wife, and um, I missed the detail of the Sorrow Lords of Thuda saying Seminar grows impatient. Uh, so I missed it because I didn't have it was on YouTube after the fact, and the subtitles were on. Um, so Seminar is one of the archfays, I think, of the Unseelie Court. Um, so it does seem like, I know last episode we talked about, like, is this like a rogue actor? Um, and it does seem like much larger than that. Um, regarding the gym, what I'm trying to play over in my head, it, it seems like Matt has an appreciation for the story that uh, Abria told in EXU in that the details given there have been so far as far as we've seen have been carried forward into Canon. Yeah. So the detail that just keeps popping up for me is the modify memory that happened to Fern. We know in season one, she 
had a memory and you'll have to help me because it's been a while since I've seen it. She has a memory of Morgan, her Nana walking her to the gate, you know, being like, you're going to be on this mission, yada, yada. And her realizing, I guess it was like a high role that that memory had been placed there. I don't remember what the authentic memory was, but bottom line, Fern is a bit of an unreliable narrator in terms of what she's doing, why she's doing it. She has a gym. Her Nana has told her you need to get it to your parents. Why she couldn't take it herself. We don't know, but that detail is untrustworthy to me because of that modified memory. And I don't know. I I haven't quite landed what I think of it or what's going on there. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, well, first, the the memory, I don't fully remember either, but I feel like, and I'll just, I'll probably go back and watch it, but for the sake of our conversation right now, I feel like she was remembering coming to Exandria and she was like, I just kind of like, I was just kind of here. Like, I, we just kind of walked and I was here. And so I feel like the peel back, I feel like her walking with her grandmother might have been the real memory, but I okay. don't say that with confidence. So that might have been the fake one. And I don't remember what the real one was yeah. either. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. But in any case, a memory was modified. Like we know that much. And that's just suspicious in and of itself. Right. Um, and I don't know. The part that doesn't really add up to me, though, is that we know her. Well, I guess I shouldn't say no, because it's possible that Dark Fern is lying. Right. It is possible that the gram- those letters are from the parents somehow. Like. You know, maybe they're just not damaged at all because they're magical. Um, but or did they detect magic on them? They're not magical. They okay. did, did. They did do detect magic on them. Okay. Twice, actually. <laughs> I mean, so we don't we don't know, but it seems like the grandmother was lying, and the grandma is the one that wrote those letters. Which, if she then gave Fern this gem to go find her parents, why not tell her the truth at that point? You know, isn't that kind of weird to like send your granddaughter on a mission when she doesn't have the correct facts going into it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess if still, I guess if there's seeds of truth that still like her parents are gone, there are doing something, maybe no need to tell Fern the truth. Maybe because, you know, it's maybe, still just. Well, maybe, and this is a total long shot, maybe it's less about finding the parents. Like maybe Morgan's presumption is that you're not going to find your parents. But I need to send you, you know, it's the carrot on the stick. I need to send you Ooh, on yeah. a mission to get you out of here. Yeah. Like you're not going to come home. Get the gym out of here too. Exactly. And so maybe it's more about the gym leaving the Feywild than it is actually finding the parents. And so the, the, you know, the charge of go find your parents, help them save the world is like, you know, Fern's not going to say no to that. Um, right. That's a total long shot in my mind. I like that. But you know, that's kind of where I go to. I like that. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that checks out to me and did help me remember here who brought up the moon tide crown. Eventually was it dusk's person that was talking yes. to dusk? Right. No. And they're after it. Right. Or am I making that up or was it just reference? Well, yeah, it just says, what's the status on the moon tide crown. Okay. And she basically says like, I'm still, she also adds a detail. We did mention this last episode. She says that the Star Lord says, um, you know, I'm growing impatient. Like, remember, you're, you're not the only one on this mission. Right. And uh, uh, Dusk says, well, I'm the only one who's gotten this close. So we may in kind of like a, um, oh, man, what's the movie with Keanu Reeves? Uh, where he's the assassin? 
John Wick in kind of a John Wick-esque way. Maybe we'll start having like these other people like assassins and, you know, whoever popping up all of a sudden, which would be crazy, but I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, clearly the Moontide crown, whether it's that gym or whether it's something else, maybe her parents have it. Uh, they want it for some reason. Seems like it's a powerful artifact. Who knows what for? Maybe it's somewhat tied to Ruidus. Maybe it has absolutely nothing to do with Ruidus. Um, but yeah, I don't know. what. I mean, this is kind of... I don't even know where I just thought of this. <laughs> but we also know that people didn't know Fern existed. Yeah, that's super weird to me. Could Fern be the is it possible that like a person could like whatever whatever purpose that fulfills like maybe it is fern maybe i, I don't, don't know. know i mean oh one other thing that you reminded possible? me of uh so back to exu and again if you guys didn't see exu um we do have recaps on our channel if you're interested or just watch it because it seems to be having a lot of relevant effects on the current campaign um but referencing the same moment that we've referenced many times is Fern comes into contact with like a dark version of herself. And that dark version is the one that said the letters are from grandma. She's been lying. Um, what also happens in this moment is dark Fern is wearing or carrying a crown. And we're led to believe that it is the spider queen's crown that like the whole EXU basically is about. But what if that crown is yeah. the Moontide crown? I like that detail for sure. It was just kind of like a bait and switch. Yeah. And like maybe if Fern fails, if her parents fail, this is what happens. Like Fern gets corrupted or I don't know. But just the fact that there are two crowns made me be like, wait a minute. Yeah. What if? Well, and that's that's a great call out. And there's also the detail, the connection with Calamity of um, the War Queen of the Burning Veil, Elmanor, um, who I think Dark Fern was working for. It seemed well, yeah, it seemed that way. We just we saw her, right? We saw Elmanor through mm. the door. I don't know if they ever necessarily Maybe. like communicate. Like, I don't know if Dark Fern and her like were shown speaking well, it to was each like, other I think it was implied because like as the door was shutting or something yeah it was like no like in a Darth Vader-esque you know yeah which Elmanor is the Sealy Court right shoot man I don't know I think so <laughs> so it's just interesting that like all this for lack of a better term here bad guy energy with like Dark Fern and stuff wouldn't be connected to Saruman or whatever the other yeah. guy's name is I, I can I guess in some ways I it says we don't know like the politics of the fate wild. Yeah. I mean, like this is going to sound like so American to say, but like <laughs> in like, in like Britain, you know who like the prime minister is. Do you know who anyone else is? Probably not, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, I know Angela Merkel from Germany. Um, and I know no one else from that country. And so like, <laughs> So I could I could theoretically, if like the Sealy and Unsealy court are on like two different sides of the Feywild, um, yeah, I could maybe see them not knowing that there is a daughter, um, but it's still a bit clunky for me. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely intentional though. Like you know, right. I don't think it's just like a sloppiness, um, but it definitely sure. is very interesting. Um, so yeah, I I don't know, I don't know. Um, but I guess moving moving to dusk, 
if we can. Uh, just Eric is sneaky, man. Little horn dog. Yeah, trying <laughs> trying to get with everybody, but, but also I think that's also yeah yeah. You know, it, like, we're uh, on the same page, right? Like trying to work people, you know, build some alliances there. I mean, yeah, part of the cover too. You know, just oh, this is just a bubbly horn dog. You know, um, yeah. I think. I think Dusk really does want to get some, but I also think it's definitely like kind of weaponized as well. Weaponized, get some. That's right. Um, I'm sure you noticed this, but in case you didn't, uh, you know, Erica, when, when Laudna and Imogen went to have their private conversation, uh, Erica rolled and then started texting Matt and Matt and her texted back and forth. Yeah. What was that all about? My best guess is that she was eavesdropping and that was maybe a stealth check or a perception check to kind of just see what they were talking about. Um, or if not on them was stealthing around or eavesdropping on somebody else. Um, I guess we won't know, but uh, she like got Matt's attention and was like, and they started texting back and forth. And then I'm not confident on this part, but it seemed like Matt maybe texted Liam after that. And it might be because of his super high, like perception. Yeah. And then shortly after, Liam confronts Dusk, and they have their little battle. So that might have been more than just Orem being nice. You know, that might have been him right. probing. Um, so I'm just real interested to see what all unfolded there. Like, what exactly? And we might find this out in a the talk show, or you know, at some point down the road. Um, but what Erica was up to in that moment and what Liam did or didn't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I, I just said this, but my best guess would be that she was eavesdropping, but it would be super interesting if she was maybe like going through their things or something while she knew they were right. away. Um, so I just didn't know if you parsed that or what you thought might be going on there. I saw it. I didn't even think about it though. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And then I, you know, um, it, it, it puts together some disconnects for me in the sense of like, Orum being the great guy he is being like, Hey, you seem kind of down it, 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 that detail kind of pieces it a little bit better for me of, of there being maybe a little bit more of a breadcrumb there. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like the starting of the party getting a little bit wise on dusk, like, yeah. hmm, you know, and, I don't know. It's it's um, the fact that she's hit on Orum and Ladna both. I don't know how to phrase this. It it's like when you have a friend that like you spend some time with, and then you start being like, "All right, so what's going on here? Like, what like what are you getting at? <laughs> like, I, I, you start like thinking about like motivations and stuff." And so I just I feel like the party is starting to kind of just think like. Not, not not necessarily like what's going on with Dusk, but just like, like just huh? I don't know. Like uh, I I can't even articulate it. Just like it just feels like she's she's going. I guess the way I put it is, it feels like she's going a little bit on the offensive now with the party and being more offensive and like which of course she would because she's basically been given like a time clock from right. the Sorrow Lord. And I just wonder how much that is getting clocked by the party. I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Me too. And because I'm sorry to keep going, by the way. No, no, no. Now the formal ask out date from Ladna is 
it, it's it's a better detail now to Imogen a couple episodes earlier being jealous, which you know at the time was you know it's a harmless friendship. Now it's like maybe maybe Dusk was trying to um, like drive a wedge. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was I feel like it was really messy. Everything I just said. No, no, I'm with you. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's cool to see these kind of machinations in play and and both in character and out of character what the the party is picking up on. You know, just because just because Laura notices Erica being strange doesn't mean that Imogen notices dusk is you know what i'm saying um and kind of on that subject i know i think we talked about it last episode since they're pre-recording the episodes um what like is the cast gonna see on twitter somebody being like oh my god erica's like a bad guy and they're gonna have it ruined i saw somebody ask matt that and he responded and i don't remember what he said verbatim but it was essentially that like no like they they know to you know not they're good about not gonna be seeing that type of stuff so um he didn't really uh, elaborate beyond that because i mean clearly they're on twitter but i guess they're probably trying to do a good job of just not looking at the the hashtags or something i guess um (laughs) so good to know that there is some proactive thought there and hopefully hopefully (laughs) yeah (laughs) i wonder what that could be i'm not gonna follow that thread (laughs) exactly dusk wants to kill fern (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Um, well, is there anything else from this episode you want to talk about? Um, let me just check and look at my notes here real quick. Um, we talked about Sam's master RP. Uh, something else I at least wanted to shout out was Marisha's incredible, like physical acting, yes. like She's when she was pulling yeah. her hair and like doing that crazy thing with her hair. Um, it's just like and Marisha's great about this like anytime they're eating she's always very physical about like actually like doing stuff like that um she's just she's very just physical i keep saying the word yeah physical, i but. i never really noticed that until joy in watching cr3 has pointed out several times joy says that she's really good with her hands like every time she talks and does things she's just very um it's, it's a nice nuance for like uh uh, table presence for sure yeah and it really just it elevates the performance like i mean that yeah. seeing laudna like i don't even know how to describe what marisha was doing with her hair but she was like <laughs> springing it up kind of or something i don't know but well, it guys, really did we don't we don't know what to call it but we liked <laughs> yeah it. <laughs> it just it really puts you in the scene more you know like you can yeah. really um yeah you can see it so i just wanted to shout I her think, i think she's probably my favorite I, I, I feel like I'm tough. constantly going between people. I think for now she's my favorite for sure. So. Lada has been incredible. Um, so I'm, I'm not ready. I don't think I'm ready to pick one. But if you don't agree with me, <laughs> then <laughs> you hate women. So. Oh god! <laughs> like oh my gosh. Oh, but Man. yeah, just wanted to shout her out for that uh, for sure. And then I don't really have anything else. But one thing that it wasn't too big this episode. But um, we didn't get to talk about it last time. It was just the the all minds burn. Just I don't really have a, a point to make here, but I'm just curious what the heck's going on there. Like we know that they're all high on something, <laughs> and they all are like have a hive mind. And Imogen sent something below the earth, 
I think I liked someone. I think maybe they commented on our video. Um, I saw someone say maybe it's a mind flayer layer, which I really like. That, that would be theory. crazy. That lined up for me. I was like, ooh, that's a great detail. I don't think I saw that comment. I'm going to have to go back. It must have been on Reddit then, or or maybe not. I don't know. Sorry for whoever wrote it, if you were on <laughs> our YouTube. <laughs> um, so, But yeah, I just am very fascinated by that. Because like... And Ashton said it's been there as long as, you know, he can remember. So it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it seems so weird to be something that's so normalized, you know? So like, and that they think they could fix Laudna. They could clean out her attic or whatever. It's just interesting that they even think that they could do that. But maybe it's a situation of like, oh, you'll become part of us. And then that's all there was going to be so in a way we're cleaning out your attic because you're just basically going to be well and how odd that they were even aware of what was happening with ladna yeah just from a first conversation yeah so that's just i don't know it's very strange because they they feel like they have a lot of pull like they're orchestrating like sabotaging this race essentially so so they're on one hand a capable powerful organization but on the other hand they're treated as all these junkies you know so it seems right. like to me whatever is underneath the ground be it mind flare or whatever it is is controlling these people to some extent and just their right. public facing <laughs> puppets are these people on drugs but really there's something more yeah calculating going on calculated going on yeah um, but yeah, I don't know. Let's we'll find out on Thursday, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know in the comments what you guys thought, theories, um, ideas. Uh, Will, what do you want to do for the thumbnail? Thumbnail. Um, uh, maybe, maybe somebody being awkward and somebody being like suave because Dusk is hitting on everybody. Yeah, we could do, um, you know, I could be the awkward one if you want. <laughs> okay, you know, just like embarrassed, and I'll just, I don't know, yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but yeah, just like, sure. <laughs> Perfect. Um, All right. Also, yo, don't forget giveaway at a thousand subs. Please subscribe if you haven't. Uh, but we are also on all the podcast platforms, so. You know, feel free to check us out there. Apple, Spotify, Google. I think there's another one, but I can't remember. Yeah, that's the big ones for sure. All right. Well, bye. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys.